Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. pages with Dr. Lulu. Hi everybody. This is numero uno episode 001, inaugural episode of this this podcast that has been on my mind for almost a year now. So if you know me, you know I've been talking about a podcast forever. I'm so excited to finally, finally be coming to your ears through the radio, through the podcast, through whatever you a podcast platform you listen to. I'm finally here talking about suicide. Yes. My dream for this podcast is essentially a journey to suicide. Like I want to plot the journey to suicide. I want to talk about the fact that many get on that journey. A majority, thankfully, do not get to suicide, but many on a daily basis get off and start the journey and of course some of us you know do end up making it to the destination my name is dr lulu yes i'm a board certified pediatrician i'm a national and international speaker on child teen and young adults depression and suicide but especially the role that bullying plays in depression and suicide in our children. And yes, I'm Nigerian born, if you can tell from the accent. I've been in practice for almost 30 years now, be 30 years next year. That is major. So I'd like to call myself Dr. Lulu, aka the momatrician, because I'm both a mom and a pediatrician, equal parts. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited. I can't even like wait. But um for those of you who know me, you know about nine to ten months ago, I set off on a journey to start speaking about suicide because of my experience with my own patients, my own personal story, and some friends that have been, you know, they have paid the ultimate, they have paid the ultimate prize, or they have been touched, you know, closely by suicide. So it's gonna be fun, even though it's a heavy topic. I can't think of any better person to talk about it. I try to bring my energy to it. Hopefully you can tell that I'm excited. I'm going to bring my passion, my personality, all of the things that I have, I'm going to bring to the table. We're going to cry. We're going to laugh. We're going to get serious. We're going to be plain. Hopefully I'll touch a life or more. I'll touch a person or two. And if I don't touch you directly, I'll touch you indirectly through education and creating awareness. So I'm excited. Let's buckle up and get started. Okay. So my mission is essentially to shine light on the people, the faces and the humans 
bring it home to the dining table, this talk about suicide, and eliminate completely the stigma, completely stop the shame and the silence, and let's start talking about it. I have no problem lighting the spark. I have no problem starting the conversation, but I need y'all to join me. So thank you so much for joining me on the journey. So who are we going to be speaking to? We're going to be speaking to everybody, okay? My avatar, my avatar is essentially everyone, especially parents, but really everybody, teachers, counselors, human beings, just everyone. We're all touched by mental health problems and mental health is indeed part of the overall definition of health. It's um, physical health and mental health and emotional health, all of them to come together. So I noticed over the years that no one is talking about suicide. We're talking about it in harsh tones, um, especially when it concerns the children, our future. If they're killing themselves at the rate at which they are, who's going to take care of us when we get old enough? Who's going to be there? So I'm hoping and I'm praying that I'm going to touch lives ultimately with this podcast and maybe, just maybe, you never know who's going to be a guest. So I have a bunch of guests already um, on standby to be interviewed. Majority of them are just parents, family members, teachers. Um, we're going to talk about people who have been touched either personally or, you know, by extension, by suicide. We're going to talk about, you know, people who... We're going to talk to people who have attempted suicide, we're going to talk to parents who have lost their children to suicide, family members to suicide, co-workers to suicide. I have lost a co-worker and a friend and a colleague to suicide, as well as a patient to suicide. So a few months ago, I, um, I was just looking through the podcasts, you know. It's like, let me see. Can I find anyone who's talking specifically about suicide? And I found no one. But if there's someone out there Please holler at your girl. Let me know and I'll be glad to reach out to them. And maybe they can even be a guest. But I found people who had episodes on suicide. I found people who had episodes on depression. I found a lot of podcasts about mental illness. But really none of them that was specifically addressing suicide. So we're going to be talking about suicide in all its ramifications. What makes you become suicidal? How do you attempt suicide? What do we talk about? I mean, oh my God, it's going to be epic, I hope. Okay, so thank you all so much. I'm going to say thank you a lot because I was raised to thank people and be and be and have an attitude of gratitude all the time. So here's my story, my personal background. Just I'm going to give you a brief background of my own, what I call my own suicide story. Because whenever I'm going to have a guest we're going to call those episodes suicide story episodes. So this is my own personal suicide story. So in the year 2000, I um, was minding my own business. I picked up the phone one Sunday morning and to, I, to call my friend, who we're going to call Mary for all intents and purposes. So when I called to ask for Mary and how she was doing, I was told by her 16-year-old niece that um, Aunt Mary had essentially, she used the words, blew her brains out a few weeks ago. That's what her 16-year-old niece said to me. Believe it or not, that that singular story put me in labor. Um, I was seven months pregnant with my soon-to-be 19-year-old son, and it put me in labor. And he came in 
at seven months came in early premature. So that was my first contact with a personal friend. We went to, we sort of did housemanship together. And um, so I like to say we trained together. We didn't really train together, but you know what? She's Nigerian, just like she was Nigerian. She is Nigerian, just like I am. And we went to, we trained, we did a housemanship together. And then we were not that close, but we were close enough for me to know that she was here and she knew that I was here. But unfortunately, I didn't check on her. I mean, she didn't check on me either, but I didn't check on her. I tried to pride myself as someone who checks on people, but I didn't check on her for a while. And eventually when I checked on her, that's the news that I got. So that was very, very devastating for me personally. That hurt a lot. So I, um, so that was the one. And then fast forward 2008, I had a patient whose mother brought him to see me because she said she wanted me to check him to see if he was doing drugs because he wasn't doing the stuff he liked to do anymore. He wasn't hanging out with his friends anymore. He was the quarterback in the football team. He didn't want to play that anymore. He just wasn't himself and she was concerned. So after I did the tests and I talked with him and I talked with her, I told her, I said, ma'am, your son is depressed and actually severely depressed. I didn't think he was suicidal, but he was severely depressed. And she said, oh, depression? Child, I did fine with my depression. He's going to be fine. Um, my whole family members have depression and he's going to be good. So she turned down my um, suggestions for medication and counseling. And that was in March of 2008. And in July 4th, which will be tomorrow in present time, July 4th, 2008, in front of his entire family during their barbecue, he basically put a shotgun in his mouth and pulled the, tr the trigger. And um, that was it. So that was my, I guess you could also call it a personal experience because it was a patient of mine. He was my first patient that I'd known to actually complete a suicide attempt. And then fast forward to 2012, after I sold my practice and joined the Air Force, I started seeing a lot of patients presenting to me with suicidal behavior and suicidal attempts and honestly, and a lot of depression. And quite frankly, I just assumed that, you know, it's the Air Force. These kids have a lot of stress that they're dealing with and, you know, deployed parents, whatever, separated parents or whatever. And I just thought to myself, you know, that's probably what it is. It's it's um, just good old fashioned, you know, stress. But unbeknownst to me, this was actually a trend that was beginning to happen. But, you know, let's go back to just me joining the Air Force, selling my private practice, joining the Air Force, moving across states with three boys as a single parent. And I got married the very next year. But that was very traumatic. That was very stressful for me, just selling my practice and becoming a single mom after filing for divorce. And then somewhere along the line, I filed bankruptcy. It was, it was a tough time. It was a hard time. And um, so that threw me into depression. And believe it or not, I also became suicidal at one point. I just felt like I had failed myself. I felt like I had failed my, my people, my children, my family. And um, everything I owned didn't help. You know, I'm not saying that material things are important, but to some of us, it helps, right? All my shoes, all my bags, all my clothes, all my three cars, my fancy house, none of them helped. I was in severe depression and suicidal. 
Luckily for me, I told my life partner, my wife, my wifener about my intentions and she stopped everything that she was doing and said, not on my watch. We got to do something about this. And she did. She um, eventually I got medications. I, I got on medications and I got counseling and I eventually did OK. And this is many, many moons later, but I know what it feels like to be suicidal. I know what it feels like to be down and depressed and be in an abusive marriage and wanting and just almost being homicidal as well as suicidal from just a bad marriage. Um, I was molested when I was a child. I was raped when I was in medical school. Medical school was hard. <laughs> and um, I had to sell my practice. I filed for divorce. I filed for bankruptcy a lot, a lot. And while I'm not saying that that's enough for everyone, that was enough for me. That was enough for me to become suicidal. And then I I sold my practice. That hurt a lot. And then I found myself in the military. That was new and stressful. I was commander of our Maxwell Air Force Base. And then I was just, I was a bit overwhelmed by all of it. And and then the final straw that broke this here Chica Camel's back was when I finally had to file for bankruptcy from, um, you know, just mismanaged funds while I was married and the practice and all of that. So it's just been, it was hard. It was very hard. But I'm thankful and I'm grateful that I had family members and I still do have family members who were there for me and, you know, through thick and thin, who basically, like my wife did, put everything down and, you know, she was like, we're going to take care of this. We're going to take care of this right now. And, and I'm glad that I had her. But um, it was a rough time for me. So what's my why? I want to make a difference in, in at-risk teens' lives, at-risk children's lives, at-risk youth life. Over the course of the podcast, which I hope is going to last for years and years and years, we're going to talk about suicide in Nigeria, my native country of birth. We're going to talk about suicide in Africa, in the Caribbean, in Australia, in Russia, Everywhere, India, we're going to talk about suicide pretty much wherever suicide is. Australia, you name it. In the U.S. of A, of course. We're going to talk about suicide in the U.S. of A, where I live. And we're going to talk about the, the, the things that lead people down that path. As you and I know, most teenagers who, who are depressed or who find themselves walking down that path really um, feel unloved, they feel invisible, they feel like the world has let them down, they feel like, you know, they have nothing else to live for, they feel like they're misunderstood, they feel like they're not understood at all, it's, 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 a, it's a tough thing, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's easy at all, and so my, my mission is to spread awareness, you know, shine light on these lives, who are these people, what do they like to eat? What do they like to drink? What was their favorite music? Who were they? Who were their friends? You know, I want to take away the, the, um, the figures. I want to take away the, I want to put, you know, humanize them. Is that the word? Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. I want to humanize them. I want to make them people again. Because I don't know anybody who's happy that wants to kill themselves. So we're going to touch on the role of religion in suicide. 
the role of, of bullying, the role of the family, the role of the country, the role of the government. We're gonna, you know, there are going to be some controversial and some not-so-controversial topics. But you know what? Somebody has to talk about it. I didn't see anybody like me talking about suicide. I did not see the combination of a board-certified pediatrician, a black female, a Nigerian-born doctor, and I can throw in my dreadlocks if I like, LGBT activist, LGBT. I mean, I just didn't see anyone who fit my description talking about suicide with my accent and my hoarseness and my personality and my energy. I just didn't see anyone talking about it. So I thought, you know what? Why not me? Why not now? And and so here I am. So I'm hoping that um, in the course of time, we'll talk about some facts about suicide. The fact that, for instance, majority of children who attempt suicide or who end up dying by suicide have been bullied. Over 50% of them have been bullied. Majority of the messages I get in my inbox almost on a daily basis are children who were bullied severely. We're going to go through some of those stories. We're going to talk to some of their parents. For instance, um, you know, I, I didn't know this until I started on this crusade to discuss suicide. You know, some of the, the figures are just like alarming. The fact that suicide is the second only to accident as the cause of death in our youth, age 10 to 32, depending on what numbers you're looking at. Some say 14 to 35, some say 10 to 32, but bottom line is the young, okay? Suicide is numero dos, cause of, like, what? I, I was like, I was floored. In other words, if you eliminate accidents, accidental deaths, accidental drowning, suicide is number one. I just, I, I, can't, I don't even know what to do. That's in the U.S., of course. I don't know what to say about that. That's completely like, oh my God. The fact that five-year-olds and four-year-olds who attempt suicide or who talk about, or who have suicidal ideation, there was a study that came out in February that was printed in the American Journal of, American Journal of Pediatrics and Adolescent Psychiatry, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they said that these children who are age three, four, five, who are suicidal, actually understand death and the permanence of it and the finality of it. I'm like, what? You know, just amazing, just mind-boggling numbers. For instance, the fact that every four seconds, a teenager in the U.S. at least attempts suicide. Every four seconds. That's just like crazy. Or the fact that so far this year, we've had over 5,000 deaths by suicide in, teen, in boys age 14 to 25. And, that, and so far this year, we've had over 1,200 deaths by suicide in females over the um, age 14 to 25. I mean, these are just numbers that are killing me, just killing me. But you know what? Someone has to talk about it. Or the fact that the WHO says that every 40 seconds we have someone in the world die by suicide. Every 40 seconds. Because WHO says it's um, 800,000, which is 800,000 deaths by suicide every year. And that brings it to one every 40 seconds. But I have a problem with that. I am challenging that particular 
statistic. I'm saying to y'all, it's impossible for us to have 800,000 suicides per year because I know for a fact, and you all know if you think about it, majority of suicides are not being reported. Many suicides go unreported. They go misclassified as an overdose or as an accident. You don't know. You don't know when a car runs into a tree. You don't know if he lost control really or if he really wanted to kill himself. You don't know when somebody drowned that they didn't really want to kill themselves by drowning. You don't know those kids who played the choking game, which we're going to talk about. You don't know for sure that they did not, that, you know, that that particular choking game that ended in, in a death, that was that person really trying to kill themselves or are they just playing the game for the the thrill of, of playing the game. So we don't know for sure. And luckily for me, the WHO now agrees with me and the latest predictions are that we're going to have in by the year 2020, so by the year 2020 next year, we're going to have one suicide every 20 seconds. One suicide every 20 seconds. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my word. So imagine if there was a virus out there that kills people or that's killing people every 20 or every even every 40 seconds. What would you do? Wouldn't you take take to the streets and run? Wouldn't you like vanish from that entire locality? But when suicide is what's killing people every 10 or 20 or 40 seconds, no one seems to be talking about it. People want to be quiet and hush-hush about it. I'm African and I'm also African-American. And I know in our community, it's like, oh my God, nobody wants to talk about mental illness. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to some preachers. We're going to talk to some pastors. Oh, honey, it is going to be off the chain. So thank you all so much for listening to me because I have more numbers, more statistics, much, much more coming down the pipeline for y'all. We'll try our best to alternate the monologues with the, with the interviews. If I can get enough interviews, I'll try to alternate them with the monologues. But if I can't, then so be it. But I promise you, we're going to have numbers that will blow your mind. Like four out of five teenagers that attempt suicide, four out of five teenagers that attempt suicide leave signs, leave warning signs. Or the fact that most people who find out that their child or most family members who find out that their child has died by suicide claim that they had no idea. Whereas... When you dig deeper, you find out that there were signs left all over the place. Or the fact that there are 100 attempts for every completed suicide. There are 100 attempts for every completed suicide. Or the fact that the U.S. ranks number 37 in suicide in the world. Or the fact that Nigeria, my native country, ranks 67 in the world. Or the fact that in Nigeria, for instance, we have 17.1, I think, per 100,000 for male, that's the numbers, and then 17.5 for females, that's the numbers. 
believe it or not, most countries do not have female suicides that high. I might have reversed them. I think it was 17.5 for the males and 17.1 for the females. But either way, they're almost paralleling each other. They're almost the same numbers, almost identical numbers in Nigeria. India is another country where you have a high rate of female suicides. I mean, we're going to talk about countries, suicide by countries. It is going to be fun. So I'm hoping and praying and believing that I'm going to get listeners that will tune in, if not for my sexy, husky voice, then for the content I'm going to provide. If not for that, then maybe because you know someone who's been suicidal. If not for that, then maybe because you yourself have been suicidal. Or maybe you're a parent or a provider or you come in, t in contact with someone somewhere who has been suicidal. So this is my prayer and this is my hope. And um, let me see if I have anything else. Basically, um, I just wanted us to get to meet each other. I wanted y'all to get to know who I am. And hopefully I have been able to plant some seeds in your minds and in your hearts to get you to listen again. And maybe even subscribe to my podcast. I will be on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and you name it. We're going to be on them. Um, I'm going to have as many guests as I can that want to talk about their depression and their struggle with suicidal ideation. Believe it or not, I've had many people who have already said no, but I know that they were suicidal or they were depressed, and it's completely okay. It's not something that everyone wants to talk about. I have some people that want to write an email or people that want to remain anonymous and that's okay too. So I'm totally fine with it. I'm totally, totally fine with it. I know myself when I came out with my depression after Anthony Bourdain died, I came out with my depression and my story and I had someone, another doctor like me, send me a message on Facebook and tell me, oh, you better be careful. You don't want, you know, the people to know the Texas board to know that you're depressed and or suicidal. And I said to him, I said, you know what? It is my truth. And I do believe that by coming out with it, I will save more lives than not coming out with it. So if the Texas board hears about it and they have a problem with it, then I guess it is what it's going to be, you know. But luckily for me, my journey towards, you know, speaking about suicide and, um, oh, I don't even think I told you guys the story about how I came about becoming a speaker and so oh my god okay well let me talk about that real quick so after I left um, the Air Force I went back into private practice and this time around I went back into a large community-based um, multi-specialty practice here in San Antonio where I live and I continued to have a lot of patients who had suicidal behavior and last May I had a seven-year-old child coming with his mother the boy happened to have a history of ADHD which we're going to talk about and how ADHD and suicide how they play with each other but um, this little guy had attempted to hang himself not once but twice so my premise is in 2000 I had the one friend 2008 I had the one patient 2012 myself I was suicidal 2012 when I joined the Air Force I saw a lot of military patients coming in with suicidal behavior. And then 2016, after I got out 
and got into um, the community as a pediatrician. I had my first minor in that sense, a seven-year-old. And so after he his after his visit with me, I had to start like just just asking myself those tough questions, like what am I doing? What's my motivation? Why am I seeing patients with with I don't know a headache and a sore throat and a fever? Why am I writing penicillin in the office when I have kids trying to kill themselves out there in the school? And so that, believe it or not, coupled with the fact that, well, then 13-year-old son, now 14, asked me, Mom, what are you going to do about it? You know, what are you going to do about Because every time I came home, I would say, you know, I had another kid today who was suicidal. I had another kid today who was suicidal or whatever. So I was like, what are you going to do about it? And so that is kind of what got me thinking, yes. So what am I going to do about it? And so I, um, I essentially quit clinical medicine and started speaking at schools and churches and wherever there are people who will listen. And so here I am. I, um, I started writing. I started blogging. I'm going to give you guys all of that information in a minute, um, where my website is and stuff like that. But it's been fun. My first book, was, it became an Amazon bestseller, essentially. Um, it's called How to Raise Well-Rounded Children. It's on Amazon. It's on my website. I'll give you the link in a minute. And I'll put that also in the show notes. But that's, that's so that book did well and it's still doing well, continues to do well. And I started just, you know, telling people about what I'm doing. And slowly but surely, I've been getting invitations to come and speak. I've done a couple of keynotes. I've done a, I've done a bunch of non-keynotes. I've done international talks. I've, just last week, I spoke to a bunch of physicians to talk about this this thing that I'm so passionate about. And, you know, I'm glad and thankful that people have been listening. So with that, I'm going to end today. I'm really excited that y'all are listening to me. I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to come in and talk to you. My website, if you'd like to know, is teenalive.com www.teenalive.com so one teen each day we're going to save with this movement right so teenalive.com my blog is a personal blog it's called words by black butterfly because i am the quintessential black butterfly so it's words by black butterfly my email if you want to send me an email is askdrlulu you have to spell out the word doctor. So it's askdrlulu at gmail.com. I am on Instagram as askdrlulu. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called Ask Dr. Lulu. I also have a Facebook group called Teen Alive. I have a regular Facebook page, of course, as a person. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Pinterest. <laughs> There's only so much I can try to do but i have a youtube page which is it's um basically as the tolulu so i am grateful i'm very thankful for the opportunity and the voice and the voice to talk about things that are important to me and for you to share in it so i'm going to call it a day and on that note and remember to subscribe and share subscribe and share subscribe and share if i gave you any kind of good information today tell someone about it share share and share away okay 
and I will see you all next week. And I hope that, you know, this has at least lit the spark because that's what I, I like to say. I would like the spark and start the conversation and y'all can start talking about it so we can end that silence and that shame and that stigma around suicide. Did y'all know that in 2016, the WHO essentially declared the stigma of mental illness as a public health crisis. The stigma, not the mental illness itself, but the stigma that comes with mental illness. A terrible, terrible thing. So we're going to be talking about all of that and then some. So this is Dr. Lulu. This is Suicide Pages by Dr. Lulu. This is Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. This is Dr. Lulu signing off. Thank you all so much. I'll see you next time. And remember, depression for the most part is temporary. All of those factors that lead you down the road to suicidal ideation and suicidal thoughts and suicidal behavior are temporary. But suicide is permanent. And if you ever find yourself at that point where you need to talk to someone, where you're feeling down and out and wanting to hurt yourself, heaven forbid, try to kill yourself, stop, take a deep breath and call 1-800-SUICIDE, suicide or 1-800-273-TALK. And if you'd rather send a text message, then please send the word, text the word home to 741-741. That is the official national crisis text line. Okay. And on that note, I'm going to say peace, love, and of course, a little bit of soul and a little bit of spice because I'm Nigerian and I can. And I'll see y'all next time. Okay. Stay blessed. Bye.